Welcome to another episode of the Charleston Digital Corridor Tech Life Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Conti, and this episode is brought to you by Charleston Works. Charleston Works is a locally curated showcase of the technology and technology-related companies in Charleston, South Carolina. Visit charlestonworks.com to get the most complete picture of the Charleston tech landscape. Giving a full and proper introduction to today's guest and all that he's accomplished would probably take up the entire episode. He founded Charleston tech startup Good Done Great and later exited when they were acquired by Your Cause, which was in turn acquired by Blackbod. He launched and hosts the TV travel docuseries The Good Road. And now he's president and CEO of another local tech startup, Uncommon Giving. He's a self-described philanthropologist and gonzo traveler, and someone I describe as a friend, Earl Bridges. Welcome to the show, Earl. Thank you, Rich. It's good to be back. Yeah, why don't we actually get started with Uncommon Giving? Tell yeah. us a little bit about uh, the venture, what problem you're solving, what your mission is, right. who your customers are, what your solutions are. Sort of give us the A to Z. I think the hardest thing for brands is to, especially ones that show up in communities, is to how do you show up in a community? And mm -hmm. so Uncommon Giving helps them give a platform for connecting their employees and the brand itself to the community at large. And they do that through working with charities, volunteering, giving, doing matching gifts and things like that. But what the importance for a brand is, is it shows who you are by how you spend your time and how you spend your money. Mm -hmm. So their employees know who they are because these are the efforts that we all get together on. And it's an also a really strong recruiting and retention uh, tool. So when you go to work for somebody, you know, they show up in the mm -hmm. community in different ways. And this is a really good platform for them to do that. And so Uncommon Giving isn't your first foray into the workplace giving space. You've been in and around that for a while. You know, t talk to me about some of the other adventures and sort of what keeps drawing you back to that space. Well, I think there's still a lot, a, there's a lot that can be done in technology around, mm -hmm. you know, giving. And um, so, yes, I started a company called Good Done Great right here in Charleston as well. We grew that, but it, the difference between Uncommon Giving and Good Done Great was that Good Done Great was really targeted for the enterprise organizations. We were looking at organizations that had, say, 20,000 or more employees, mm -hmm. and it was because the implementations took a long time. They were expensive, but um, but it was able to defray that cost over a larger you know employee base. Mm -hmm. Uncommon Giving differently is much more simple. There's no implementation, no kind of training. You pick it up and use it just like you would with Venmo or anything else. And so that we're trying to attack a different marketplace We're instead of going after the, say, Fortune 500, Fortune 1000, we're looking at small, medium sized businesses that could be in, have a thousand employees or five thousand employees all the way down to five employees. Mm -hmm. And so it's a cheap, easy way for people to get into it, as well as as they're giving. If your money is sitting in these accounts, you can also invest them. So we do a whole investment side of the world as well. And I mentioned at the beginning of the show that Earl and I have known each other for a while, and Earl yep. um, you know, formerly worked at Blackbot and, and a couple of other places in a sales and marketing uh, capacity. Talk to me a little bit about sort of how you sort of decided you wanted to go out and start your own venture, become an entrepreneur. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but have you ever worked for a company and thought, I could do it better than everyone else has done it? <laughs> well, I think that's really the entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. It's always, you know, we could be doing better as an organization. And so I think a lot of people that end up in the entrepreneurial side say, I think there's a better mousetrap. I think there's better, more efficiencies that we can do. 
do. And that's really what I thought as well with Good Done Great. Um, instead of working where BlackBot spent a lot of their time, they've grown a tremendous since I've been gone. But at the time, really working with nonprofits and helping them drive money into the nonprofits, we decided that we would start with people that had money instead mm-hmm. of people that needed money. So we started over on the, the, the supply side. We worked with foundations and corporations. And that's how I ended up in the corporate social responsibility side. And I do feel like the reason I keep coming back to it is that this is the singular place where the the convergence is crossroads between all of the resources of companies and their people and their money and the world's problems because they're in the communities. That's the crux of you know where a change can really happen. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's the unique benefit of corporate social responsibility. Yeah. Now, change has been sort of driving change has been sort of another uh, sort of theme for you in your career. That's um, right. You know, sort of led you into a, into a bit of a, a media venture. Uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Right before we sold Good Done Great, we were working with like 60 of the largest brands. And so we had Toyota and AMD and Home Depot and Marriott. Mm-hmm. And we had three and a half million employees that could use the platform to go get connected to the communities. But we had a hard time getting those three and a half million employees really interested in the causes themselves. And so I always felt like there was a play for visual media. And so right at the tail end of it, I decided to take a trip and highlight some of the companies that were doing some interesting things internationally. Look, I grew up in Bangkok, Thailand. I spent a large portion of my life internationally all over the world. So I had an opportunity to go to Nepal and Vietnam and Myanmar and highlight some of these things that were going on in these areas. And we struck myself and a kid that I grew up with in Bangkok, Craig Martin, we struck on this kind of tone, this Bourdain-y kind of tone of... Let's roll it into a travel format. Let's still tell stories about the places and let's interview the characters that are there and let's talk about the good things that we're doing, but let's do it with beer and (laughs) hanging out. And really that's the format of the show. I mean, it is very much the messy business of global philanthropy, but it feels like a travel show. And, and and again, my parents were first air force and then missionaries. I had to tell my mom and dad, look, you know, there's going to be a little bit of drinking and a little mm-hmm. bit of cussing, but we're those kind of Christians. We're still good folks, and we still do a little bit. We have fun. So that's really the format of The Good Road. Yeah. So whether it was The Good Road, Good Done Great, or now mm-hmm. with Uncommon Giving, you know. Right. So has there been any, you know, stories or points in your career you've, you've been faced with a challenge that, you know, sort of literally just scared you? Like, and, and sort of what was that like yeah. in getting over that and, and the learning experience associated with it? The poor people that are uh, friends and family or spouses of entrepreneurs really face a really hard <laughs> thing. I mean, because that's the yeah. thing. Every one of it. When we started Good Done Great, there was no good reason to think that we were going to be successful. That thing turned out well. It was sold to your cause and then sold for black to BlackBot for a really big number. But television was the same thing. It looks easier on the outside than it does on the inside. And when you're working in our world with PBS, um, everything's daunting. It's really hard to figure out what the business is. So it took us a while to get in. And we spent probably way too much money in the beginning. And you get to the same problems that you do as an entrepreneur. Cash flow is a problem. Mm-hmm. How do you make payroll? How do we pay these bills? How do we get this thing distributed? So every single venture that I've been involved in, I've never been in one that's been really felt like fully funded. Mm-hmm. And that's the terror. That's the thing that keeps you up at night. Mm-hmm. But that's also what I think creates a laser focus. And you really you know, hard, take a hard look at what's working and what's not. And I think that's the one consistency, regardless of whether it's software or media or publications or any number of things that we've been involved in. Yeah. How did the experience with the Good Road change maybe your thoughts on philanthropy and, and driving change? That I was mean, the, you know, the, the best part of that is that we're really working with the people that are 
we talk about that last mile of service. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're sitting down with people that are p- carrying babies or, you know, touching the elephants on an anti-poaching thing or whatever. I mean, we're really at the tail end. So that is probably the most, you know, gratifying component of this is that we get to work with people that are right mm-hmm. there doing the work itself. And we're telling their stories. When you're in technology, you're kind of abstract that you're working with the organizations as a whole, and you yeah. know that the money flows down somewhere, but on with the good road, you see us. I mean, we're right there with the folks that are making it happen. And that, quite frankly, is the most fun. Yeah. Do you think there's anything sort of unique about you know being in social good, philanthropy, uh, mm-hmm. workplace giving, any of those spaces being based here in Charleston? Uh, I think Charleston, the, it's underrated. Look, we punch way above our weights. We've got, like, again, BlackBot is probably the major technology player. We've got a lot of spinoffs and people that have done just like me, gone off on their own and done really significant things. And, you know, Charleston, I think, is a it's a unique place. Uh, we've got real investments. We've got real technology. We have, you know, real talent in this place. And it's not hard to get people to love to come down and work in Charleston. So, I feel like this is the very next place, name the place, but this is the next one. Well, we both worked at Blackbud. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our paths really didn't cross, you know, until it was sort of the growth of this community here and my decision right. to initially do a podcast and we sort of connected there. Yeah. And so what along the way has really stood out to you in terms of the way Charleston has grown over the last, you know, 10 years in particular? Look, when you and I, when I reached, I can't remember if I reached out to you, but I was doing a podcast. Right. Someone said, Hey, do you know Rich over there? He's doing the product dev side over in BlackBot. I reach out, you help. He helped yeah. immediately. You told me, you know, kind of, here's how I do it. Here's what works. Here's what downloads mm-hmm. are. And so I feel like there's an interesting community here that's willing to help each other. And there's a lot of really bright people along the way. And I think that's what I've benefited from. I mean, yes, we're a small town, so it's not hard to get in touch with virtually anyone else in town. That's one of the interesting things. But the network of that small network that we have here in Charleston, those those tentacles go internationally all over the world. And so I feel like this is a great place to get involved. There is so much upside, you know, in the tech scene. And that's why I'm glad to be back in this space because, look, I'm building a whole company. I'm actually pulling Uncommon from Scottsdale, Arizona and St. Louis mm-hmm. and some other places because I feel like this is a place that we want to hunker down. This is a place that we can be most successful. Yeah. What do you think the biggest challenge we face as a community, both on the technology and the business side going forward? Thinking that we're uh, that we're adults, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's we still think that we're kids and yeah. we're we're and we don't flex our muscle right. and, but you know, you travel anywhere. You tell someone that you're from Charleston. Mm-hmm. And look, I travel around the world, around the world with Craig Martin, who is from Richmond, Virginia, and people ask where we're from. Richmond has a lot of cool things going on. Well, Craig says he's from Richmond, and I say from I'm from Charleston. Mm-hmm. Everyone's head yeah. turns to Charleston and has something favorable to think about Charleston. So we have the upside right here in Charleston. Yeah, I mean, with with all the growth and then more recently the impact of the pandemic, mm-hmm. what do you think actually are some of the maybe new opportunities we have as a community that mm-hmm. we maybe wouldn't have thought of three or five years ago? Well, three or four or five years ago, I mean, this felt like the end of the world. I mean, if you couldn't make it work here in Charleston, you were packing up your U-Haul and going back to wherever it was that real business was happening. So right right now, I feel like that's really changed. This can be a destination and there's a lot of things going on. So you can always find your way here in Charleston. I think that's changed, you know, significantly here. Mm -hmm. And again, a lot of it is, you know, it's, it's places like the Charleston Tech Center. I mean, it used to be the Charleston Digital Quarter. I mean, we talk about the Silicon Harbor and all the cool things that we've got going on. It's reached a maturation in the last few years that I think was very different than what 10, 15 years ago when we really were embarking on trying to do some important things. So what's next on the horizon for Uncommon Giving? 
Um, we are, we're launching a series of products. I mean, right now we work with uh, companies like, like I said, there'll be a, a restaurant change with 1700 people or something like that. And we get involved in their giving. We're adding our volunteerism. That's going to be another component of it. But the other piece that I mentioned is, you know, not to get too technical when someone payroll deducts and puts their money into a given account, it's what's called a donor advised fund. It's a charitable, irrevocable contribution. And it sits there and you can only go from that account to a nonprofit at some point. But there's no reason that it has to go immediately. It can go 100 years from now. While that money is sitting there, then we have investment products. So Uncommon has a registered investment advisory component of it. We put investment you know, uh, portfolios out there so that while the money's resting, put it to good work. And so while we have a couple of BlackRock models and things like that, we've also mm-hmm. launched an ETF. We did that back in August of last year. I got to ring the closing bell. We're going to launch another ETF next month. This next one is called the Uncommon 50. It's the 50 most generous companies on the Fortune 500. And we get that money through, or get those algorithms through proprietary feeds that we get from Bloomberg, from Just Capital, which is kind of a, a Paul Tudor Jones kind of company. We get, you know, we, we mash it up in there and then it will be launched on the New York Stock Exchange as well. And, we'll, and again, put money into the companies that are making the biggest difference. You will see that our returns are very competitive, sometimes way outperform things like the Russell 1000. So you might as well put it to use. And again, that's an area that I think you look at the the amount of money that sits inside of donor advised funds while it just sits there, it really should be put to use. And that goes back to what is the promise? The thesis is that companies who are generous can make a difference in the world, not just giving it away, creating good technology, creating the next generation of healthcare, you know, all of those things. I feel like we are a conduit for cash or companies that can do their own good. So it's not just giving away to nonprofits. It's also how do you fund companies on real innovation that make a difference in the world? Yeah. You talked earlier about the exit from good done great. Mm-hmm. Um, what is you know, success for Uncommon Giving look five years down the road? Uh, Uncommon Giving is already much bigger <laughs> capitalized. <laughs> I mean, actually, uh, when I came on board, they had already raised 16 and a half million from friends and family. That's public information. Yeah. And so that's and that's a good group of friends and family. If you think about a tech startup with that, but mm-hmm. we're in the pl- 20 plus. So we'll probably grow this. We've gone through kind of a major acquisition that will um, that will announce here probably next week or so. And uh, we expect that we'll grow this company for the next three to five years. So we'll do the same thing. I mean, we'll see how big we can make it. And hopefully we'll do an IPO. But if not, Mm -hmm. I think it'll be another really big acquisition for somebody. Great. And how do you see Uncommon Giving over that time sort of fitting into the Charleston community here? Uh, Well, I mean, look, we're only, I don't know, eight people or something like that here. I hope we're 10 times that in a year. Something That's kind of what we did on Good Done Great. We went from nothing all the way to, I think we were about 158 employees before we sold. I think this has a much bigger play. And the hard part is always finding talent. I mean, it's a hot market and technology jobs are you know, great jobs if you have it, um, but they're hard to hire for if you don't have the people in. So our goal is to create a really good culture around a, uh, a market that is not hard to get behind, you know, doing good in the world. And hopefully that's going to be part of the recipe for success for us in the future. Great. Earl Bridges, president and CEO of Uncommon Giving. Earl, where can folks go to learn more about Uncommon Giving and go to find out about the good road? Well, go to uncommongiving.com and you can you can open up your own account today. You can go put in money, you can invest it right now, you can do all of that. And if you'd like to see the good road, we're starting embark what season two is already showing. Mm-hmm. Season one we had twenty three million viewers. Season two is actually coming out bigger and we're starting to film for season three. A couple of episodes mm-hmm. in Charleston. So look at PBS.org. You can stream it today or check your local listings. Great. 
Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Awesome. Thanks, Rich. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Charleston Digital Corridors Tech Life Podcast. And thanks to our sponsor, Charleston Works. Charleston Works is a locally curated showcase of the tech and tech-related companies in Charleston. charlestonworks.com Finally, I want to thank the Charleston Digital Corridor for all their support in relaunching the podcast and providing us with a state-of-the-art studio here in the Charleston Tech Center on Morrison Drive. If you missed our first episode back, we featured BlackBod CIO Todd Lant, and it's definitely worth a listen. Subscribe to the show wherever you find your favorite podcast so you don't miss an episode. And leave us a rating and review so we know how we're doing. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and don't forget to follow the Charleston Digital Corridor as well. Until next time, I'm Rich Conti, and this has been the Charleston Digital Corridor Tech Life Podcast. <laughs>